Welcome to Inbound Sales Journey. If you want to hone your sales skills and learn from the leaders on inbound selling, you've come to the right place. This episode of Inbound Sales Journey is brought to you by the Agency Sales System, the online course designed specifically to teach you how to build a rock-solid agency sales system inside your HubSpot CRM. Learn more at doinbound.com slash sales course. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan and Greg. Welcome back to episode number 67 of Inbound Sales Journey. This is Greg McKenzie. I'm here with my co-host, partner in crime, Ryan Remington Herman. Ryan, how you doing, man? I am doing well. Ryan, yet another week on Inbound Sales Journey. Number 67, Gray. This is getting Cranking serious. Along. I know. We're getting serious. Hey, speaking of serious, we, uh, we're going to be talking about contracts today, that thrilling topic. This is a big topic, though. We get a lot of questions about this, Ryan. And I just remember, well, I mean, we've been through how many iterations of contracts now at Guava Box. And, uh, and early on, like, I would do anything to, to try and see inside other people's contracts. Not literally anything. I'm not, not, uh, not espionage or anything. But, I mean, it, it was really helpful when people would be willing to share their contracts. And um, I'd get a feel for, okay, here's, like, the kinds of terms that people should be using. And then of course, Docracy has made a lot of that easier. And there's a lot of, there's a lot more resources available now, or maybe I'm just aware of them, but there's a ton of resources available now about contracts. So we don't need to, uh, we don't need to go super uber deep, but I think it would be helpful to get through like what, what needs to go into a contract and probably specifically like an inbound, uh, marketing partnership retainer, contract we can start with that and then expand as needed or if folks have feedback so right i think you and i might have some conflicting thoughts here which would be good um but i'll let you lead us off with uh with your initial thoughts and we'll just kind of get back and forth see what we come up with you get to take a run at my thoughts i thought i get to take a run at your thoughts well you thought wrong all right well i'll go with the the thing i get asked about the most um, like common question, which is the term length, which I think maybe this is where you'll disagree with me on. Maybe, I don't know. Um, But a lot of people ask, so I want to do year long retainers. Do I have it in there that they have to stick it out the whole year? Um, Is it, should it just be like a month to month thing? How do we structure this and set this up? So my thoughts, I guess I could be Persuaded, Graham, interested to hear what you have to say about this. But my thoughts uh, initially are that it never, it's never, you want people to stay for a year, but you never want to like hold the gun to someone's head when things aren't working out and it's a bad relationship and you guys mutually want to part ways, which I think in that case, you're probably going to, even if you signed up for 12 months, uh, have a conversation to get out of that. We've done that before, Gray, with just a couple clients that were horrible um, to work with back when those were our policies. Um, but my view on it is just to get right to it is I would have a minimum 90 day period. Um, so one quarter together and then, uh, have it established. Like we're making a plan based on 12 months. Um, and we're, we're, our intent is to be together for 12 months and then to renew, but an option for them or for you to say at that point, like, I'm, this isn't working and we'd like to, uh, to part ways. 
Uh, 90 days, I feel like, is a, is a good time, number one, to build a good relationship, to prove some value um, to them as well. And, uh, and then after that, I just think if things aren't working out, like it really shouldn't be this strict policy. Um, you know, I think that it's up to your sales team to make sure that they're bringing on people who are good, qualified uh, leads and people who they could see having many years of uh, success together anyways. And if it's not working out, then why are you holding someone into something for longer? So, Well, let's stick on the, on the length of contracts here. I think that, so I, I guess I always start with like, what are your goals and why do people go for a 12 month contract? Uh, I think there's a couple of reasons. One, like everyone's kind of, especially if you're in HubSpot's partner program, kind of sold this vision of have like build uh, sustainable revenue, like smooth out your revenue a little bit more. You have an idea of what's coming in on a monthly basis. You're able to manage cash flow. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so there's a big benefit in having that consistent cash flow coming in. You're kind of training your client, getting them used to that and getting them ramped up for a renewal. Now, obviously HubSpot's interested in having us providing continual services to their customers because that is going to increase the stickiness of the HubSpot platform and, and make them more money. So that makes a lot of sense from from both sides in the HubSpot specific environment. Um, and regardless, I think steady cash flow is, uh, is a good thing for most businesses. Um, but I think that one of the big reasons that a lot of people go to these annual contracts as well is you're front-loading a lot of work um, in most situations. You're doing a whole bunch of heavy lifting and HubSpot setup, and especially if someone's just getting on board with that. You're learning their company. And then typically what happens is you know, you might do 60 or 70% of the work up front. Or, I, I mean, if we looked at maybe just split it down the course of the year, like probably 60 to 70% of the work happens in the first six months. And you get more efficient, things get easier, you start to hit your groove in the second half. I think that's what we've seen in a lot of cases. Um, so if you don't have a 12-month contract and you're doing all this work, you know, you're probably a little bit underpaid at the beginning and possibly overpaid at the end and you hope that it all comes out in the wash. So in that situation, with that being the case then, it hurts you if people get out of that contract early. So I think you just need to think about what are your goals. And if your goals are, listen, I need to make this. In that case, all it is is a payment plan for people. Like, hey, instead of you paying 60 or 70% in the first six months and then 30 to 40% in the latter six months of the year, we're just going to spread it all out, make it equal. But I need you to stick with me for 12 months. And I think just having the conversation and outlining the work, um, that's kind of why we have gone to, like the very first thing we're going to do is the game plan. And the game plan itself, you know, you might wind up on a $5,000 a month uh, inbound marketing partnership or whatever that is, the game plan might just be a, a two week process, but that might cost you $10,000 to run through. Um, and so instead of that just being built in as part of the, the process and us potentially losing money on the front end and then wanting to scale back later, we just broken that out. And then a lot of times the web design component of it or the, what we call build the engine phase where we're gearing up their inbound marketing engine those things are are happening kind of on a separate like hey for these three months worth of building your inbound marketing engine here are the deliverables that are going to come out of this that's going to be a forty thousand dollar project um and then coming out of that on the far end is we're getting into the campaigns phase and we're starting to launch these inbound marketing campaigns and producing content and promoting that and um doing all this other stuff those are the 
those are the points maybe where it's where it's it finally makes more sense for us to say, okay, now we're going to do this at ten thousand dollars a month, um, and that'll go on for until we switch it up or whatever it is. So I think it's worth looking at and trying to figure out. I think the simplicity is a big reason why a lot of people. It's really simple to just say, pay us five thousand dollars a month, and we'll make you really happy with the services that we provide. But I think you need to think about it and consider whether you're leaving a lot of money on the table or leaving yourself open. I, I agree with you that I don't want to hold anybody in for 12 months if they're unhappy. So I would rather get that money on the front side for the services that we're delivering. And then things are always going to change as you move forward and, uh, and kind of get to that point where there's some more stability in the deliverables and what's happening. So that's my personal take on it. Um, something obviously people need to think through and, and work out on their own. So what you're saying, Gray, is separate contracts for different phases of what you're doing for them. And then when it comes to the actual time to initiate the retainer, though, so you've done the game plan, uh, you've gotten HubSpot set up and the website during build the engine, so, and then you're, you're actually ready to start executing essentially the game plan that you've created. What time period are you then asking for at that point in your opinion? Right. Yeah. So once you get to the point where the work that you're putting in, the value that you're creating on a monthly business, uh, on a monthly cycle is, um, is relatively standardized or somewhat standardized. Then I'm comfortable going to, Hey, here's a fixed price per month or at least like a range based on the points that we use or whatever that system is. And in that case, I would probably go with a month-to-month engagement, which is what we do right now. But with a – it's really unfair to call it month-to-month because there probably is a 60-day notification clause in there. So you give us 60 days notice, and that is hopefully – if we're doing our job, we haven't had this happen um, to us, but – assuming that you uh, are doing your job, hopefully you know about someone potentially wanting to cancel well ahead of time um, and you're doing things to restore that. But if you do have, uh, you know, 60 days is, is should be enough time to hand things over, make sure that they're happy and understand what's going on. Um, so I would, that's my personal preference. I think you could certainly go 90. There's also, I think one of the benefits of having a longer contract term is people realize that they're bought in sunk cost fallacy, like they realize they've already committed to this. They don't want to pay a penalty to get out of that. And um, and so they're willing to give things a longer try, which sometimes can exacerbate the system and make it work, but it can also give you a chance to turn things around and start to show the results. So setting the expectations that this is going to take time, um, that's step one. And step two for us is a 60-day uh, term or no- notification, cancellation, notification term or whatever. All right, good. I think that we agree pretty well on that. It's worked. I mean, it's worked pretty well for us. So that's, uh, and I think it's, hopefully it's good just for other people to hear, you know, what, what is someone actually doing? Um, because I know that's something that we were looking for, you know, what actually works. Uh, how should we, we go about doing this? So. Right. Agreed. I think, um, also just on the subject of, of, uh, contracts and stuff. One thing that we've really, emphasize gray and i i love how we have written a lot of it in there our contracts are so easy 
to read and as short probably as they can be with still covering everything that needs to be covered. It makes going through them with clients um, very easy. And it, it really, I think, puts a good positive spin on things for clients in the very beginning to say, you know, like a contract's just one other thing to go off of, like, who are the guys I'm working with? What is this partnership going to uh, be like, you know, and looking at some crazy all legalese uh, document for getting into something together is is always a little bit overwhelming, um, but trying to keep it simple, um, trying to keep it easy to read and uh, short is uh, has always been good for us. Yeah, I agree with that. I think so the legalese part of our contracts is pretty simple and straightforward. There's not um, there's really not a ton that you need to get into. In those situations, I I need to get into like, what are you guys agreeing to? What's happening uh, with design, with the different elements, design, text, photographs, copyrights. um, What are we liable for? Um, Is the contract, I mean, some of your standard contract language, can they transfer this contract? No. Um, Does it need to be renewed or will it automatically renew? Will... Uh, you know, like where is this governed if there's a dispute, all these types of things that come up. But um, I agree that the the legally it doesn't need to be complicated at all and it should be short and you shouldn't be afraid to walk through that. Like if, if you're – if it's too dense to walk through with a client and un- help them understand and make sure that they know what the terms are that they're agreeing to ahead of time, um, you probably need to reevaluate that. I will say a lot of times now what we're doing is uh, we'll send a project scope document and reference that uh, from the contract. So the contract itself might just be two pages or three pages long. But the project scope document, I think that it is worth it to invest the time on the front end to try and spec stuff out as much as you can um, and figure out what is included and what isn't included and make sure that there are clear communications on that. So that when uh, issues come up, you've got something in writing to go back to and say like, yes, this this was included or this wasn't included. You always have the opportunity to be gracious and we just wrapped up a website project and said, hey, those uh, images that it said in the in the contract document, you were going to pay extra for us to go find these images like, hey, we we took care of that for you. Um, on these pages because it added a lot to the project and that's one way to go above and beyond. But having that as a baseline, you don't even have the opportunity. If that's not written in there that we needed to, that that would be extra for us to go do that research. Um, you, you never have the opportunity to exceed their expectations. You know, there's not even an expectation that you wouldn't do that for free. So they would probably just assume unless you want to bring that up later and say, well, this piece is extra. So I think even little things, um, like that, are they going to give you the opportunity one to, to make more revenue and to prevent scope creep as much as possible, but two also for the situations where it makes sense, um, to really make a customer feel awesome and recognize that they got something that was beyond scope. And so, it, um, that's obviously a huge, uh, huge plus, and it's going to be a big deal in continuing to, to win future business from that client and, and retain that client. So I think it is worth scoping out an awful lot of those things in your project scope document or if you combine them and put it in your contract uh, you can do that as well cool 
Well, I think that'll wrap us up for what to include Gray in the retainer contract and kind of how the format in which we we lay things out in length and things like that. Um, next week, we're going to continue down the same thought and talk about the tools to help uh, us create and send contracts. Uh, so we'll, we'll dive into some of the specific things that we uh, currently use and have used in the past. Um, so tune in next week for that. For all of the show notes um, from this episode and other episodes, you can go to doinbound.com backslash sales journey uh, to check those out and we will be back next week same time same location which is nationwide globally intercontinental i don't know gray how many how many ways can you say a lot globally we're everywhere in our airware probably probably get us down on your mobile devices or your desktop computer or your ipad Mm -hmm. so we will chat with you guys in one week Thank you for listening to Inbound Sales Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash salesjourney. That's doinbound, all one word, dot com slash salesjourney. Today's show is sponsored by Do Inbound, the world's first project and process management platform built specifically for inbound marketing agencies. Learn more at doinbound.com. If you enjoyed this episode, why don't you head over to iTunes and subscribe. Make sure you leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.